sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. heard so much about and now you finally found it my name's matt his name is joe this is a show about baseball it's about pulling pulling money out of our love of baseball season-long fantasy we're here for you joe's the man he writes books he's an author dfs (laughs) we're here for you joe's the man he has insight and poignant commentary what about just straight up betting on baseball wagering joe's the man because he's smart he understands math not only is he an author he's a thespian he's a father He's my friend, Joe Pizzapia. What's up? Well, that's a lot to live up to for the next two hours. I'm just going <laughs> to just, I'm going to quit while I'm ahead. Matt Stryker, it's so good to see you, my friend. You're, you are many things as well. You're a great thinker. You're a great father yourself. Uh, you're a great man of the game of baseball, of course, as well. And this is where we're at. We're at the All-Star game, which is a fun time. I got to say, I don't like these two-tone uniforms. Does that make me an old fart? I don't know. These whole things where like the buttons go and it's like one color on one side and the other. Ah, I don't like that. Where's the uniform? I just want the uniform. Boy, oh boy, am I an old angry man this morning. But yeah, we got a lot of things to look forward to. So let's get to the headlines because All-Star Break Weekend always brings us the Futures game yesterday. Got to see some of the best prospects and baseball square off against each other. Uh, Jason Dominguez going yard. You had uh, an incredible throw from the young shortstop win. Uh, so a lot of things were going on there. Also, uh, the MLB draft is today. So that is always a huge deal, especially for those dynasty league players in fantasy who are the next big stars in Major League Baseball. Andrew Jones' son is in that draft, and boy, is he a player. Uh, also, we got the Home Run Derby on Monday night. That's going to be super exciting. Also, win streaks this week. Uh, later, we'll get into the Home Run Derby, but we got to get into the Mariners and Orioles. What a week and change it's been for both of those teams, just winning a ton of games. Uh, But the big news has to be Juan Soto. It has to start with Juan Soto today, who rejected a $440 million industry contract from the Washington Nationals. And now, apparently, the Nats are saying, all right, you don't want to be here. We get it. We're going to go ahead and look to move you. So, Matt Stryker, we were talking before the show began. Who's really in this race? Because you need to get a combination of who can afford to pay him, who's going to go over the luxury tax possibly, or, or be able to maneuver things around that and who has the prospects to get that job done because it takes a combination of those things. It seems like it's the three teams at the top. It's the Yankees, it's the Mets and the Dodgers. But do you think the Yankees can afford to make a move for Juan Soto when they haven't already locked up Aaron judge and they still have that Stanton contract and that Cole contract to me, the Yankees are a tough sell, but what do you think about the Yankees, the Mets, the Dodgers, or maybe a dark horse? for the Nat superstar. Well, you know, here's the thing. The rich keep getting richer and you hit it right on the yeah. head. Who has everything to make the right package? But let's look at what history has shown us. The Nationals have shown they have a propensity of dealing with the Dodgers. And the Dodgers show that they can put together a package. And if nothing else, rent Soto for this postseason, along with probably another pitcher that no one's ever even thought of. And that pitcher will be in high leverage situations for the Dodgers in October and be lights out because that's what happens. But can the Dodgers keep him? That's the thing. You and I talked about what a package from the Mets would look like, and I'll let you 
pull that. Mm-hmm. The package from the Yankees, I said to you off the air before we came on, did they send Volpe and Dominguez? And you countered back with, well, can they afford it? They're the Yankees. They're always going to pay themselves ahead. Um, as far as the Mets, like I said, there is a package there, and I'm going to let you handle that. But here's mm-hmm. the thing. A lot of people don't realize, as we welcome in radio, this is Diamond Bets. My name's Matt Stryker. He's Joe Pizzapia. We're talking everything baseball. Right now, we're talking about Juan Soto rejecting a historic contract, over $400 million. But the reason, Joe, is the way the contract was structured, and that's what I don't think the public is aware of. A lot of deferred money, a lot of uh, prices indicative of a market that Soto and his camp feel is three years prior. They don't think the price is indicative of the current market, and that's part and parcel as to why he rejected can't imagine not wanting to stay in Washington, D.C. Why not? So many nice people there, Joe. So many nice people, but the problem is uh, those people aren't coming through the organization to play baseball with Juan Soto. The Nats system right now is not great. I mean, this team is, look, they they won the World Series. They pushed all in there. They did it. And now this is the aftermath, right? This is what happens when you don't retain a Bryce Harper, where you let him walk and you end up spending money on Steven Strasburg instead a couple years later. It just makes no right. sense to me. But, you know, the Mets, they could put together a package of, of Beatty, Mauricio, uh, Francisco Alvarez, the young catcher. Those are three premium prospects. The Dodgers, I mean, they can put Bobby Miller package together, but I think it's a tough sell to the fan base. Here we go. Here's Trey Turner. We're going to move him to the Dodgers. Or here's Juan Soto. We're going to trade him to the Dodgers. I don't know if you keep doing that. And with the Yankees, yes, Dominguez and Volpe would probably get that deal done. The problem is, so what are you going to do with Aaron Judge? Are you going to let Aaron Judge walk? I think that's a really tough sell to the fan base. I think the, the Yankees are kind of handcuffed here. A little bit with Juan Soto potentially because you have to take care of Judge first. He's your guy. He's your homegrown Yankee. And I look, we can argue all day who's the better player, but I mean, I know what camp I'm on. I'm on the Juan Soto team, even though Judge is having a fantastic season. The problem is the Yankee fan base. I mean, you're going to look at it. So you're going to let Judge walk and then go ahead and bring in Juan Soto. I, I don't know. I don't know if that's really something that's feasible. I mean, the Red Sox are a team too. It's, you know, in terms of what they're looking at, they're trying to figure out what to do with Xander Bogart, you know, and not to mention Devers, and they just signed Trevor Story for a lot of money. So there's a lot of moving pieces here with the Nats, and wherever Juan Soto ends up, chances are he's going to have to have a contract with deferred money, whether he likes it or not. The problem is I think he likes to be on a team that might have a more competitive future in the next three to five years, and let's face it, the Nats just aren't that team. When we come back, what's trending in Major League Baseball? We'll tell you. Stick around. We're just getting started right here on Diamond Bets. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back in. This is Diamond Bets. I'm Matt Stryker. He's Joe Pizzapia. And during the break, Joe and I were talking about certain types of people, mainly athletes or actors, that can't distinguish between who they truly are and who the public wants them to be. And I think, Joe, it's a perfect segue for the what's trending portion of Mm. Diamond Bets because a lot of times the trend feels like it tells people what to think. Hey, I support the latest thing because everyone else is doing it. Fantasy baseball, DFS, betting on baseball, you have to fade that noise. So how do we look at what's trending and pull out the stuff that's important versus the stuff that just does not matter, Joe? 
Well, Shohei Otani told people, don't pigeonhole me. Don't tell me who I am. I'm a pitcher and a hitter. I can do both at the big league le level. And imagine the people that told him, no, you really shouldn't do this, or no, you can't do this. Well, he's doing it, and uh, he's doing it very well. He has moved ahead of Aaron Judge in the MVP race. So uh, as we spoke about on this show for many weeks, it was an approach. We liked Otani going in, and then when Judge went past, we said, hey, wait for Otani's number to climb up to the five range, and if it does, you can reinvest at five or six. And it did, so we did. And now he's the favorite again. So now it's getting closer to even money every time another stat like this drops. But check out this one from uh, Codified Baseball. Shohei Otani, in his last four starts, has 45 strikeouts and just one earned run. The only pitchers in Major League Baseball history to have any four-start span in Major League history of 45-plus strikeouts and only one total earned run. Randy Johnson, Hall of Famer. Clayton Kershaw, Hall of Famer. Chris Sale, Jacob deGrom, that's it. Otani is the fifth guy ever in the history of baseball to have a stretch like this, which starts to beg the question. Maybe he's not just only MVP. Should we start talking about him as uh, young? I told you at the beginning of the year I was looking for this prop. I wanted somebody to give me the Otani for MVP and Cy Young odds. I don't know if it would be 12 to 1 or 10 to 1 or something like that. Now, I know it's tough because Justin Verlander went out there and had himself another day. And Verlander's been my guy on this show since what, Matt? Since February? I mean, we were talking about him for Cy Young at 25 to 1 at the time. It was ludicrous. It was hilarious. All the money on Verlander. But Verlander became the first pitcher ever yesterday to go 12-plus wins into the All-Star break with a 800 winning percentage, an ERA under 2, an opponent's batting average under 2, a whip under 0.9, and a 5 uh, to 1 K-walk ratio. So I'll put it to you this way. As good as McClanahan's been, as good as Verlander's numbers have been, is Otani working himself into this potential conversation here with those two guys for not just the MVP, because we already know that's a good chance he's got that on lock. What about the Cy Young, too? Does he have a shot against Verlander or McClanahan? Yeah, I, I agree. I think there's a narrative to be built here. And it's funny because the list of names that we saw, that it's all been done in the last 30-some-odd years. So anyone that mm -hmm. says baseball isn't an evolving, living, breathing game perhaps isn't watching. Yes, I think there is a narrative here for Otani to do that. Um, off the top of my head, I can only think Babe Ruth may be the only person who had the opportunity. I don't think he ever did. I don't think anyone's ever done the MVP and the Cy Young in the same season like that. No, they have. Ever no, Justin there. Verlander, actually, uh, not that long ago. Uh, I think you had Roger yeah. Clemens. You know, you're right. MVP and That's, wow. Good point. So, Good actually, point. So then, but, but the typical thing is, it's usually for, again, the pitcher. It's always the pitcher. It was, what you're right. saying is right. Nobody ever had the chance as a position player who also pitched besides Babe Ruth to to get the. But again, there was you know there was no Cy Young award. I don't believe at that point in time either. So you know I, it is a really difficult situation to to look at it and say, ooh, you know, I mean, if we can engage him as MVP because he's doing both ends of it, you know, as Cy Young as a pitcher who is also contributing as a hitter. I don't know, like it's it's such a fascinating narrative and discussion about Otani because he is so unique, but you know, you're looking at two other guys in the American league who have been so good, but Otani's numbers are starting to get eerily close to those two guys. Well, here's the thing though, his contract's going to come up soon. So if he does mm. win both of these awards, how do you pay him? You have to pay uh, him as a, a lot <laughs> and you have to pay him as a Cy Young arm. You know, that's the thing. And it's almost to the point. It's a lot of these kids coming out of college that go on, 
first to get their master's and then they get a master's plus 15. Then they try to go get a teaching job. You price yourself out because they can hire that person with just a bachelor's for far less. So I think this is very intriguing. When does the market cap here? If he's the only one, actually the market has the power by capping the price. If someone else comes in and says, no, 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 we'll, we'll pay you 800 million. We'll pay you twice. It changes everything. So it's a very intriguing uh, forward-thinking conversation. But as far as can he win both, absolutely he can. And I'd love to see the parlay numbers on that as well. Um, let's move on, man. There's some team streak, and we mentioned those pitchers that Otani has outpaced or is on par with. Those guys only come along in the last 30 years. How about what the Orioles have been doing? I mean, it really feels like we're in the time machine again, Joe. Yeah, it, it does. I mean, the Orioles and their win streak uh, have been, you know, they've gotten themselves over 500, which is something that, I don't think a lot of Orioles fans thought that they would see this year at all, especially considering how good the division's been. And the American League East has been incredible. And when a team like the Yankees is pulled away uh, so obviously from the rest of the pack because of their incredible start to the season, the fact that the bottom feeder team, theoretically, in this division is still at 500 or around there is is kind of stunning. I mean, right now they're a game under 500. They're still 17 games behind the Yankees, even though they're playing 500 <laughs> baseball. But, I mean, the second place team is 13 games, so you can't feel bad. Uh, we also had the Toronto Blue Jays fire their manager this week in that division. So there's a lot of turmoil in that East with all these other teams trying to keep pace with the Yankees who are all having good seasons. I think it also tells you the bottom feeder teams in the American League. We're talking about, like, Detroit. We're talking about Kansas City. We're talking about Oakland. I mean, there's a lot of bottom teams as well. So it's a little top-heavy there in the American League. But you know, there's real dogfight in this division, this wild card race that looks basically like it's the Yankees, you know, and you have your two other division winners and then the best three teams maybe for the American League East. But you got to give the Orioles credit. They're getting it done here without a lot of star power. Uh, they're getting it done here by creating runs and they're getting it done with a lot of no name pitchers uh, in terms of, I think, the public sphere of really knowing who these guys are and and at the end of the day they're playing baseball and it's and it's fun to see which begs the question too did the change of ballpark help this team a little bit even though it's ugly out there in left field did the change of this ballpark that it's not the hitter paradise it used to be actually help the orioles get to maybe a better place do you think anything has to do with that in terms of those two things coinciding well, it goes hand in hand because if you look deeper to what the Orioles have been doing, they've been doing it with their bullpen. And you said, you know, not a lot of people know. Listen, not a lot of baseball fans can name anyone in Baltimore's <laughs> bullpen. Maybe you're lucky if you get someone that, that, that is even close. That's the thing. They're doing it with their bullpen, so they're doing it with pitching. So does that lend itself to the park changing and the dimensions and all that? Maybe. But here's the thing. The Orioles can at least see or sniff a postseason. And I know that sounds crazy, but you go down to that area of the country, they're starting to talk about it. They're starting to whisper at it. What else are they going to talk about up there? They're not going to talk about the Nationals other than Soto leaving. So what do you have mm -hmm. to talk about? Go over to Baltimore and see, and I promise you, you'll find some Orioles fans talking about postseason. I, I think it's a pipe dream for this year, but it's fun. Orioles, Mariners, these kind of teams are fun, especially from a wagering perspective. And now the Orioles have some DFS value as well. Shocking. Mm -mm, yeah, uh, the Mariners have some value also. They are up to 13 straight wins, the Seattle Mariners. So this was the, the fun graphic. Oh, look at us. We won 11 in a row. Guess what? They added two more over the weekend. So uh, they have just been on fire. And Julio Rodriguez has got to be a huge part of this. I mean, we just got to talk about it. Yes, they've gotten contributions from 
Eugenio Suarez and Winker, which was a move that I thought at the beginning of the year was a really good one, bringing in some more veteran players. But it's Julio Rodriguez, I think, the energy this guy has brought to this team. I think it's rubbed off on everybody. They've gotten some timely pitching as well. But, Matt, what do you make of the Mariners run? Because this is that other team there in the West that, you know, this division's basically closed out in a lot of places. People don't think anybody else can win. But what do you think of this end streak? Yep, look under the hood again. They're doing it the same way the O's are. They're doing it with a bullpen that not a lot of people know. Names like Munoz and Swanson that, are, again, are great secrets. Just wish there was a way to wager on the end of games as opposed to first threes and first fives. But we'll figure it out. There you have it. We're going to figure out the home run derby when we come back, so don't go anywhere. How are we going to bet it? We'll tell you. We'll be right back after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back in. This is Diamond Bets. My name's Matt. His name is Joe. Hey, listen, the world is moving fast. If you blink, you might miss it. Keep us in your pocket at SportsGrid, at SportsGrid TV. Those are the social media handles. Everything you want to know so quickly. You're in a season-long fantasy league and you find out someone is being called up. You've got to get to that waiver wire faster than the other managers in your league. You're playing DFS. You're betting on baseball. You see a little news blurb pop up at SportsGrid, at SportsGrid TV. Boom, you run to your app. The world is moving fast, Joe. I don't want to miss it. And now, the one thing no one wants to miss is the home run derby. What a great opportunity to watch some long balls as well as look at some of the odds. Let's dive into the field, my friend. Yes, let's dive into the field. This is a field without Aaron Judge, who now leads the league at 33 after two more yesterday. Him and Matt Carpenter. Matt Carpenter can't stop hitting home runs. I don't know. I don't know what year it is, but this is uh, it's a fun stretch. <laughs> I'm I'm putting it all in the mustache, personally. I'm pretty sure that is the reason for the power surge of Matt Carpenter. But uh, you're not going to get Aaron Judge. Uh, you're not going to get Jordan Alvarez in this, another guy who's at the top of that leaderboard. You are going to get some great people, though, in this home run derby. And as you can see, uh, it's a tournament style. So we're going to have Kyle Schwarber, who uh, obviously this year having a fantastic power season himself. Uh, Schwarber leading the National League with 29 home runs on the year. He's going to go with Albert Pujols. Um, my, I think it's really tough to, to think that Schwarber is not going to advance. I'm not knocking Albert Pujols. He's a first ballot slam dunk Hall of Famer. But the time element, I think, is always very difficult on this. It's asking a lot of people, you know, especially the older players, to hit as many home runs as they can in a short period of time. It's not like it could take a million breaks. It's a lot harder than it looks, people. Uh, you also have Juan Soto going against Jose Ramirez, which should be a very good one. Uh, my money would be on Juan Soto in this one to advance. And then you have Corey Seager and Julio Rodriguez uh, going against each other as well. Uh, Corey Seager and obviously has had quite a resurgence. We're going to talk more about him in a little bit in the next segment to come. He has been on fire of late. Also, a guy who's very familiar, I might add, with that ballpark and that batter's eye, so to speak. So I wonder if there's any old school home field advantage for Corey Seager in that ballpark. We shall see. Uh, Julio Rodriguez obviously fits the bill of the young, athletic, raw power kind of guy. So to me, this is a really intriguing matchup. And then you got the two division mates, Pete Alonso and Ronald Acuna. Now, Alonso always uh, seems to show up big time for this 
uh, kind of thing. So um, I mean, my money is still on Alonzo for that. And if you're looking at the odds right now, you can look and see Pete Alonzo is the favorite to win. He's at plus 200 right now over on FanDuel. So a two to one favorite is Pete Alonzo. Kyle Schwarber is plus 250. So those are the two guys at the top. And then you go to Juan Soto at plus 500. Ronald Acuna plus 600. Julio Rodriguez at 10 to 1. Jose Ramirez at 12 to 1. Corey Seager at 12. And Albert Pujols all the way at 20. So obviously, FanDuel and the other books agree with me that Pujols is probably not the guy who's going to win this and win it all. So, Matt, it then becomes about the strategy of how you want to approach this. Now, here's how I like to do it. And I'm curious how, what your take. We can go through each one of these guys individually if you like. But I like to have money in one of the favorites. So either Alonzo or Schwarber. I like to have a mid-range guy, and I like to have the long shot guy. The problem is there's two long shot guys I like. So I'm trying to figure out how I want to go and how I want to do this, or do I want to just fade the top? Because I feel like Juan Soto, a guy who can generate his own power, a guy who's in phenomenal shape, a guy who could really you know take on the marathon that is this event, because it is a marathon kind of event. It's like a bunch of sprints into one giant marathon. But Corey Seager and Julio Rodriguez at 10 to 1 and 12 to 1, respectively, are fascinating to me. So I kind of want to have some money there. Here's my thought if I had 100 bucks to put on this thing, I would put probably 50 on Juan Soto and then 30 maybe on Julio and 20 on Corey Seager. Does that sound right to you? That's kind of how I want to spread the money around, so to speak, on the Derby. But maybe you see this in a whole different way. Maybe you just want to take that 100 and put it on one guy. How do you feel about the names on this list and how what? Uh, I should say you want to approach uh, spreading that around, or do you want to just put it on one dude to win it all? Now, first and foremost, this is a unique wagering situation. Let's keep that in mind. Secondly, it's about having fun. I wouldn't want to just put all my eggs in one basket. You touched on it. The right approach is to split up the unit. Find a different way to do it. And you're right. Alonzo and Schwaber are the chalk. Alonzo knows exactly how to win it. Schwaber's swing is in effect. He's right up there with Judge and Alvarez for home run leaderboards across both leagues. You mentioned Juan Soto. I wonder, announcing that he's rejected the contract, then he goes out and he puts on a huge show in the home run derby. What does that do to owners out there? What does that do to his market? This kid is not dumb, but his number... It's it's five to one. It's great. It's wonderful. He's young enough. He can do it. I'm with you on all those things. I think anyone that comes out of the right side of the bracket of uh, what was it, Alonzo Acuna and I, I, yeah, I missed Alonzo Acuna, Julio and Corey Seager, yeah, are going to represent the league well enough. And I think the matchmakers realize that Seager is definitely going to get a, a sympathetic feel to him. And at twelve to one, that's fun. Pujols is the feel good thing at twenty to one, and I get it. Again, stamina. Or will they allow Albert his own pace? I don't think they will. You can't argue no. against the clock. Um, I, I think your long, your long shot is Julio. He's young enough. Mm. He's got this. He is your Soto at better odds. And right now, he's also swinging a better bat. But it's a great field, Joe. Yeah, and actually, those odds have changed. Uh, Corey Seager was at 12 to 1. He has now moved to 10 to 1, though. I see on the graphic that happened okay. as of last night. So that's actually changed a little bit. And uh, I, I blame myself because I was talking Corey Seager up for this uh, when it came out on Friday that he was going to participate. So I blame me. You can blame me, everybody, because I thought to myself at 12 to 1, I'm like, that's fascinating. There's a guy who's super uh, comfortable in this ballpark, which, you know, might not sound like an important thing, but it is. It is in terms of the visual aspect of hitting a baseball especially the time of day it's going to be also because it is in LA and it's going to be at night. So it's going to be that weird twilight time, 
which typically is one of those times can be really tricky to see the ball. Um, I always prefer these things going on at night because I feel like the guys see the ball at night very well. And that's when you get the real special home run derby moments for the most part, you know, whether it be Fenway Park in those years when McGuire was hitting in balls and Sosa was hitting balls out, you know, onto the street, uh, whether it be, you know, uh, Josh Hamilton, Yankee Stadium, you know, just hitting ball after ball after ball. I mean, there's been some fantastic moments. And you see a lot of them happen to, you know, go on at night because seeing the baseball under the lights is typically a lot easier for these guys. It's also condition wise, they're a little more used to that. So this is going to happen around like five o'clock their time in Los Angeles. That weird in between in terms of seeing the baseball might be tricky. Uh, Look, Julio's had a fantastic year and, and Julio is that guy that I keep coming back to also that is just such a special talent and he's such a raw talent. And we're just scratching the surface. He's got 16 homers on the year. 21 stolen paces also. And the fact that he's up to 272 in that batting average already is amazing considering how bad he was in April. I mean, April was mm-hmm. not a pretty month for him. And people were worrying, oh, no, is this Kellenic all over again? But Julio, to me, is one of those guys that fits that bill. Are we doing a disservice to Ronald Acuna and Jose Ramirez? I mean, these two guys are super talented in their own right. And I feel like we're glossing over these two. We're talking about Alonzo and Schwarber, you know, the big slugging guys. And we're talking about these sexy long shots. Are we not giving any love to Acuna and not giving enough love to Jose Ramirez? I mean, these guys are pretty darn good last time I checked too, but something about Acuna's swing to me doesn't doesn't scream home run derby. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And I think for Ramirez, maybe if you put a guy on base, just stand on the base, <laughs> maybe Ramirez would be more inclined because he knocks guys in, he drives in and runs like it's his job. Oh, wait, it is. Uh, some guys' jobs are basically just hitting home runs. And right now the regular season is seeing a plethora of home run hitters. Uh, how are you handicapping the rest of the season with regards to the home run leaders? Yeah, and look, this keeps changing. I know on FanDuel you can bet this, and right now the odds on FanDuel is judged to lead the league in home runs at minus 165. Again, he is at the top of the board after two more yesterday, 33 total. Uh, and, and he had a little mini slump earlier in the week, so I think people were starting to get a little concerned there. Obviously, they shouldn't be concerned. Kyle Schwarber is next at plus 350. Austin Riley has moved up to third. Jordan Alvarez was up in this two spot for quite some time. He's had some recent injury issues. He has fallen all the way to 13 to one. Mike Trout at 19 to one and Pete Alonso at 23 to one. So, I mean, look, it's really hard to look anybody but judge right now. Um, As good as Austin Riley has been, as much as I like Austin Riley as a player, I don't think this is really Austin Riley's category to win outright in some ways he's too good of a hitter at times you know like you know he likes to he's been on a fantastic run for the last six weeks but i don't think he's really a, a 50 home run guy i think at this point the number's got to be something around 50 so it's starting to feel like schwarber and judge and if you want to bet this number it's kind of tough to bet judge because you have the minus already at minus 165 you can but it's a little trickier so i guess the question is can anyone catch him the guy that can catch him is jordan alvarez but it's a health issue So it's a fascinating number at Alvarez because Alvarez was basically a five or six to one at some point for this. And now he's jumped all the way to 13 because of this injury and because he's missed some time. So he's fallen behind a little bit, but Matt, how would you approach this? Because Alvarez, I mean, let's be honest right now he's at 26. That's not that far off from the 33. That's, that's like one fire month from him and one slow month from Aaron judge. He can get right back in this to me, maybe a couple bucks on Alvarez and then maybe a little bit on Schwarber, but what are your thoughts on this one? 
For my money, as you approach the rest of season home run totals, you take the horse racing thought process. You throw out the chalk, which is Aaron Judge, and then you take the next two, Schwarber and Alvarez. But you're right. Alvarez has to be on the field to do it. But And this could be a hot take. The best home run swing out of those three belongs to Jordan Alvarez. You're right. He could go on a hot clip, and next thing you know, boom, he's right there. Judge could also have some regression. How do you expect him to keep up this pace? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, And if he does keep up this pace, he's going to have a historic season. And a lot of people are going to be talking about uh, how much the Yankees could have already locked up Aaron Judge instead of waiting for him to have an historic season and then try to pay him after. So this game of chicken did not work out for the Yanks. But some other hot seasons happening too. So we come back, we're going to look at one of Corey Seager and more right here on TV. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back in. This is Diamond Bets, Matt Stryker and Joe Pizzapia with you here, talking baseball, doing everything we possibly can to help you out there. If you're a fan, you know you can make money at this, right? Whether you're in a season-long fantasy league that pays out, DFS, or straight-up baseball betting, this is the way to do it now. Loving the game is great, but if you can supplement a bill, a car payment, a grocery bill, why wouldn't you? It's free and found money. As is this relationship, Joe, I have to tell you, it feels like free and found money with you. And I like keeping up with you uh, during the week when when we don't do the show. At Joe Pizzapia17, it's a great follow for any and all information. You've been putting out a lot of videos, a lot of good talks, so thank mm-hmm. you for that. Uh, let's talk about Studs and Duds, which was the working mm-hmm. title for the show until it was outdated. Yes. Let's talk about who's hot and who's not and how we can play them moving forward. What do you got? Clearly, I was the dud. That's why I voted nay on that one. So that's obviously the answer to the question. Uh, right now, who's been super hot? Corey Seager. Heading into Friday's action, this guy's been absolutely red hot for the Texas Rangers, who are not the doormat uh, that people thought they were going to be. After signing Marcus Simeon in the offseason and Corey Seager, you're seeing the Rangers are trying to rebuild this organization and put some money where their mouth is, and it's starting to pay off a little bit. And Corey Seager has been outstanding. Uh, 49 at-bats over his five, uh, last 49, I should say, coming into Friday's action. He scored 11 runs, seven homers over that span. It was an unbelievable stretch of home runs. He's been hitting 16 ribbies, hitting at a 367 clip with an OPS at 1257. Now, those are monstrous numbers. That's like the best week you could possibly imagine. That's player of the week <laughs> territory. So I have a hard time believing that Corey Seager won't get that recognition after this week because he has been incredible but more to the point Matt it's about this Texas Ranger team starting to look like a baseball team again because they have been the dregs can we be honest I mean I understand they're still you know seven games under 500 but they're playing better baseball I think than they have in the past and I think at least to the fan base you know you opened up this new stadium I know it was during the COVID stuff right so they opened up the new ballpark and nobody could go to it it's kind of a Kind of a huge buzzkill. I don't think it was how they really envisioned that going, obviously. Uh, but I think when you're looking at, you know, the Texas Rangers and what they're starting to build here, you've got at least some legitimate major leaguers. And I feel like that's something they've been lacking. I mean, they tried to put all their eggs into the basket of Joey Gallo a few years ago, and that didn't work. And 
some of these players they thought were going to be young and take over like the Willie Calhouns of the world. That didn't work. In fact, now he's somewhere else as of last week. So I think going out there and maybe people argued that they overpaid for these guys and they might have, I think they kind of had to, I think they had to change the culture of what was going on there in Texas. And if they want to go after the next and the next free agent and start to bring in some of these young players in the organization to come through and start to contribute, it's important to have that veteran presence around. So although it's not quite showing in the standings, I think we can all agree that the, uh, the Texas Rangers are at least from a baseball standpoint, much more watchable now than they have been, I would say in the last five years. Would you agree with that? Wow. What a term watchable. How about that? Yeah. And, and yeah, they are. But for the purposes of this show, are they wagerable? How can we find value yeah. with them? Well, here's the thing. Seager with the home runs, that's why the OPS is sitting over 1250, and that's great. And there's other guys, too. Adelise Garcia has been swinging a hot bat. Jonah Heim has been a pleasant surprise. They got the young kid in the back end that's short up that bullpen. Uh, as the season turns over after the break, I'd be watching their schedule. I'd be looking at run totals, and I'd be looking at something that I've toyed with which is for one team to win and both teams to score two or more runs. If the Tigers have mm -hmm. a favorable matchup, there is parity in the league. But, Joe, you talked about it a bit at the top of the show. There is a separation between top and bottom, and then there's that murky middle. If the Rangers are in there with a murky middle team, take the Rangers to win and both teams to score two or more runs, and that's how you find them to be A, watchable, but also profitable as well. And that, to me, is the most important thing. Another guy that's been profitable and very watchable and may have an outside track on an MVP, dare I say it, is Freddie Freeman. Your thoughts? Yeah. Freddie Freeman over his last 51 ABs, eight runs scored, a 412 batting average, just hitting the snot out of the ball, as they say. That is a technical term. Uh, hitting 412, the three homers, the 10 ribbies, the 1134 OPS. And it's just tough, though, because Mookie Betts has had such a good season. Trey Turner is such a good player. How do you separate these guys out? I'm sure Freeman will get some MVP discussion. But at the end of the day, I think him and Betts together just it makes the, the water too muddy. And it's going to be a difficult sell. But look, Freddie Freeman, make no mistake about it been a really important addition uh for this los angeles dodger team and this dodger team has spent a lot of money on mookie Betts and a lot of money on a lot of other pieces here that surround this team and i know they're gonna have some money potentially coming off the books here i still think they have some pitching problems uh you saw tony gonsolin's last yeah. start right remember i've been talking about that for the last i don't know month like it can't stay like this his xfip is of closer to four his ERA is at one and a half. Those two things cannot jive. It's going to come back down to earth and they're going to meet in the middle somewhere and it's starting to show. Uh, Freddie Freeman is, has been the straw that stirs the drink there. I think the, the guy in the middle of that order that's really, you know, given them that consistency when they've had injuries to the pitching staff and they've had some guys, whether it be Max Muncy at times, whether it be Bellinger at times, um, Justin Turner even struggled for the first two months of the season that Freeman's been a steady presence in that lineup. Even when Mookie Betts was out with an injury. This is the guy, and Freddie Freeman's shown you he is worth every penny there. And uh, look, I mean, what more can you say? Freddie Freeman's great. Uh, <laughs> he's had a good run. Speaking <laughs> of great, how great has Sandy Alcantara been? Now, we could talk about, you know, where he is on the year, but let's talk about the last three starts for him. 23 innings pitched, 0.78 ERA, a 0.65 whip, 26 strikeouts to just three walks. I mean, Sandy Alcantara is just... He seems to be in a different universe right now pitching and, uh, you know, him and Musgrove were the two dark horses for the Cy Young for me going into this year. And I mean, talk about completely just, you know, running away with it at this point. It's starting to feel like that. And I, I sat here on the show about a month ago and I thought, well, you know, I don't know if he could keep this up. 
Joe Musgrove's pitching for the Padres. The Padres are a really good team that I think are going to get a lot of attention. I think eventually Alcantara kind of fades into the background, but he has not faded. He has not faded at all, Matt. Mm -hmm. And if you look at what he's done on the year now, uh, as I pull up those year stats over 19 games, he is nine and four with a 176 ERA, 123 strikeouts, 0.9 whip in 138 innings. Can he sustain this pace, Matt? Is he a throwback? Because there was a time where guys did this. You know, Alcantara routinely mm. goes deep, seven plus, eight plus. Yeah. Let the guy start the all-star game and go eight innings. <laughs> Why yeah. not? Hey, uh, he could have what we say is a rubber arm. Can he sustain the pace? In this day and age, I'd be inclined to say no, but stranger things have happened. There are anomalies. And, and if this guy has the rubber arm and he is a throwback to the days where guys would routinely throw 200-some-odd innings and go very deep into games, it's going to be interesting to see how the Marlins utilize that because if they could start to get some more of their pitchers to go a little deeper, maybe they could take some of the stress off of the bullpen. And I don't have the stats in front of me, but I promise you, if you check Miami from maybe the seventh inning on, I, I have a deep, deep feeling that they're underwater here. And a lot of times that's how you beat them. You take them on the run line. Going into the yeah. weekend when Alcantara pitched against Philadelphia, Philadelphia was a plus 145 on the money line. I jumped all over that, and what did the Marlins do? They squandered an Alcantara gem, and I walked away on top. So this is just one thing that they have to think about, man. It's a great point. It's a great point. I mean, these Marlins starting pitchers have been so good. I know Max Meyer's debut yesterday was not ideal. He gave up the five earned runs. I don't care. It's He's a great young pitcher, so just give him a little bit of time. It's only one start, but it's the Marlins bullpen and the lack of offense that they really, you know, over time too. And the Chisholm injury hasn't helped them either. Now, Matt was right earlier when he said Adelise Garcia is having a nice season, but unfortunately he's not having a great week. So we gotta, we gotta keep it real here on the show. So as much as I said, nice things about the Texas Rangers, I feel like that's the most we've talked about the Texas Rangers all season long. Uh, Garcia over his last 45 at bats, eh, not going so well. Uh, 111 mm -hmm. batting average. No homers, 20 strikeouts. Now, we know he's always been a big strikeout guy, but that's nearing 50% strikeout rate. That's that's no bueno. That's not where you want to be. An OBP of .196 and an OPS of 374. So these are not great numbers here for Adelise Garcia, but he is an incredibly streaky player. Um, but, you know, it's not just him anymore. Like, I feel like two years ago, <clears throat> this was the only guy you could even talk about on this team. And now you do have other players. I mean, uh, Nathan Lowe has been very quietly good at first base for this team. Uh, Cole Calhoun has had a very good season for this team. Mitch Garver is back healthy now. It's just, it's a much deeper lineup of actual major league talent where we're not just looking around going, who is this guy? Who's that guy? So I expect Garcia to turn things around sooner than later. Uh, obviously, this is a guy who could stand to have a couple of days off of the all-star break. So uh, I, I'm not too concerned because I think this is the nature of the beast. I guess the question is, do you start buying in on the uptick pretty soon of Adelise Garcia? And in fantasy leagues, is this the perfect time to maybe make a trade for him? Ooh, good question there. Um, depends on what your needs are. And I would imagine any fantasy managers that are holding on to Garcia, unless they're huge Texas Rangers fans, will probably be inclined to listen to an offer. But um, it's the strikeouts and the OBP that are the partnership there. And uh, a partner, that would be nice. I have a wife, mm. more like a rival. But a partnership is what <laughs> is, is needed here. And uh, the strikeouts need to come down for Garcia. And he needs to do it not only for himself, but also for the rest of the team because then he'll offer no protection in a lineup. And guys have to have protection in a lineup because, as you know, pitchers are going to know the numbers of the guy hitting behind you. One pitcher in particular is a guy like Lance Lynn. I promise you mm. Lance Lynn knows every single 
hitter's repertoire and their tendencies because he's a professional pitcher. But right now it's not been working out, man. No, and he had another bad start over the weekend. Uh, and nice curb your enthusiasm quote out there too. I have you. You're my partner. And by the way, shout out to the graphics department. What a perfect Adelise Garcia picture to go along with those stats too. Where he just looks <laughs> good. Completely... Go back. And... Let's let's flip back. I want to... Jack. Go flip back to the left. Look, look at that. Back. Look at. Oh, I'm hitting a buck eleven. Yeah. Oh, things are. It's rough. like Kevin Hart is upset. That's <laughs> <laughs> exactly what he looks like. Fantastic. All right, a now lot, we though. can move on. Now we can move on and take some shots at Lance Lynn. And, and Lance Lynn is another guy that I still say is a buy low. I just, if you look at all the underlying numbers, to me, Lance Lynn hasn't just fallen off a map. I don't think that's what's going on here. I think this is a guy who, you know, didn't have a regular offseason, had an injury to start the year. And I just think he's rusty. I don't think he is in the, the right space mentally, physically right now. And maybe a little bit of a break could do him some good. Over the last two starts heading into the weekend, only nine innings pitch, seven Ks, four walks. So the strikeout to walk is kind of still around there, but the 13 ERA, the 211 whip, uh, and this last start he made was no bueno. It was not good either. So I know a lot of people in fantasy leagues are looking to drop Lance Lynn. I think that would be a, a bad decision. I would bench him. If anything, I would be looking to to get him for pennies on the dollar because I just I'm not quite ready to just give up on Lance Lynn yet. He's a he's a 35 year old pitcher with an amazing track record who's had a really weird start to the season. And I understand like right now his ERA is seven and a half. I get that, but he's still got 35 strikeouts and 36 innings. And that's what I keep coming back to. That's what I keep coming. is like, well, but the strikeouts are still there. So I feel like eventually it's that feel for pitching that he doesn't have yet of making the right pitch at the right time. And some of the BABIP numbers have not been on his side. That's going to turn back around a little bit. It's a combination. I think of rust, health, bad luck, everything that's gone wrong has, but you and I both know, it's a story of two halves baseball. So as bad as the first half has been, I wonder if we look back and go, oh, and he got things right in the second half. Do you think Lance Lynn has a second half run in in that? Yes, I do. Uh, I do really like what you mentioned about it being a feel thing. This is a feel mm -hmm. pitcher. Has to get his feel back. And last but not least, I don't want to underestimate the culture going on in that clubhouse. There is something brewing there. I just can't put my finger on it yet. Yeah, who would have thought that all these managers would get fired and Tony La Russa would still have a job here at the All-Star break? Pretty stunning, pretty stunning. Speaking of Tony La Russa, let's talk about some other things from the past today in baseball history when we return right here on Diamond Bets. SportsGrid.com, betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back in. This is Diamond Bets. Matt and Joe with you here. Still so much more to come. And during the break, Joe and I talking about a time forgotten. Was it better then or is it better now? And I think that's a broad question. As we look at this day in baseball, we go in the way back machine to then. And I think in baseball, it's hard not to be romantic about it. There are times mm. when it was better then, but you have to appreciate because it was better then where we are now. What do you got for us, my friend? This is, this is great. It's like a Jim Croce concert here. I don't know what's going on. I love it. Uh, 1987, Don Mattingly became the first American League player to hit at least one home run in each of his seven consecutive games as the Yankees beat the Texas Rangers 8-4. to four. 
I recall this. This was a distinct summer memory because I remember for like a week or so, I would always go to my grandmother's house in Tom's River and stay with her down in South Jersey and my grandfather. And we always watched a lot of baseball. And that week happened to be the week of this Don Mattingly streak. And I remember trying to stay up late to watch the Texas Ranger games to see if he would, you know, because they were, you know, showing the Yankee games, obviously. He was still in the New York area. And I'm like, okay. Is he going to hit another home run? Oh, he hit another one. And then the next night we'd watch, oh my goodness, he hit another one. How many is he going to have here? It was a pretty spectacular run. And just a boy, 1987, just hanging out at the grandparents' house, watching baseball, staying up late. So, uh, yeah, those are those are the good times and the good memories. And I hope those kids are having them watching baseball. I'm sure they'll be watching the Derby on Monday night, making some new memories. And what could have been for Don Mattingly, who had four spectacular seasons in major league baseball before back injuries really kind of zapped him. It's hard to imagine how good he could have been had he had that second part of his career, had he had even eight or nine seasons like he was capable of instead of just the four. It's, it's certainly uh, a shame, but good to see Donnie baseball still around the game and still uh, working for the Marlins as manager. So we come back hour two of diamond bets. We're going to take a deep dive into a lot of these divisions. What's remaining, what we see into the future about, we're going to talk about, uh, some other news around the diamond. We're going to ask the important questions and give the answers. Another look at the awards, too, as we sit here at the All-Star break. We'll be right back on Sports Grid with more baseball and more diamond bets. <laughs> 